Okay, uh, again, I want to repeat Mark's welcome, and uh, I want you to help me settle a slight dispute I had with Brian, because I said to Brian, buy a hundred donuts, and he thought that was far too much, and I thought it was far too little. Um, but make sure, please, that they all get in at the end. What we're going to look at this evening is something that is just such, of, such huge significance and so important. I, I realize I keep saying this uh, in most services, and uh, that's because the, the Word of God is, is just so important and so uh, relevant to us. But this particular question about justification is just such a huge, huge question. Um, what we're going to do is we will go on to the first one, and I'm going to ask you this question, and I've even written the answer underneath for you. So I will ask the question, and if you say the answer together. What is justification? Justification. Okay, we're going to unpack this over the next um, wee while. Um, Stephen, can you go on to the next one, please? There are two questions here. Uh, could the following people please stand up? Nigel, could you stand up, please? Don't worry, you're not going to have to do anything to completely drastic. Uh, Claire Edmonds, can you stand up, please? Uh, Mr. Daly, Owen, you're next. Everyone's looking in absolute panic. Did he, have I asked these people? No, I haven't. Mr. Miller, David Miller, please. Leanne, uh, we'll get you to stand up as well. And uh, Bev, you're smiling, so you might as well stand up too. And since we're going at the back there, um, uh, let's look. We need a little bit more balance. Anna Bradshaw. See, if you catch my eye, you're in real trouble. That's, uh, in this church, if you're a stranger, you keep getting volunteered for things. Um, and, at, and Stephen Allen as well, please. You might as well. Since his eyes were down, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> he's an elder. He's got to earn his keep. Right. What these guys are going to do is they are going to gather around them a small group of people. So you're all going to basically just uh, get in groups. You can shift your chairs. You can do that if you want. What I want you to do is briefly introduce yourselves because I don't want people to feel uh, isolated or alone. You don't have to give your life story, just who you are and so on. And then these two questions in your groups, I want you to discuss what is justification. And I'm not putting it back to the answer that you just said. But uh, the reason behind that question is what you know, when someone says justified, what does that mean? We don't use it a lot. And the second part is, what are some of the ways that we seek to justify ourselves? Now, I have to explain that. There's a song, uh, there's a band called The Proclaimers, and they have a song called Sunshine on Leith, and it's a great line in it which says, why am I worth my room on this earth? And that's really, how do you justify your existence on earth? What's the point of you being here? Um, that's the big question. So that's, don't take too long answering that, and don't get too depressed about it. Um, but take those, those two questions, split into groups, introduce, and I'm going to give you... Um, oh, one other. Callum, stand up, please. Uh, you're going to lead a group, too. Uh, all those who are younger than Callum, come down at the front here, because he's going to lead that group. What? You're not younger. Oh, slightly older. You're in... <laughs> Okay, if you split into groups anyway, according to, if you guys get, just get people together and don't leave anyone out and start these two questions. I've lost Carla. Is, is this Michael? Yeah, okay. Sorry. Hello. Is it working? 
Yeah. Try to say your name and see if it works. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Candice. I'm from Hong Kong, and I'm doing an exchange program in Dundee Uni. Okay. Now, I asked Candice. Um, I gave her a bit of a warning, so that was... I asked her this afternoon, actually, uh, if she'd be willing to share a little bit about how she became a Christian, because it's really important in helping us understand what justification is. So tell us just a little bit about your background, okay? Uh, you mean the way I became a yeah. Christian? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, I had a bad relationship with my best friend when I was in secondary four, and she thought I was so bad and so selfish so she decided not to be my friends anymore, and I was really hurt. And then I closed all my doors and my heart to build relationship with other people because I didn't trust in relationship anymore. And then I, uh, my cousin, she is a Christian, uh, and she took me to church and study Bible, and then I know I have sinned. So I say sorry to Jesus, and I also say sorry to my best friend, and she forgave me. That's how I became a Christian in the very beginning. But then I, uh, I uh, when I uh, entered to secondary six, I fall in love with a guy in my class, and he's not a Christian, he's a Catholic. And because my church didn't allow us to uh, going out with a guy which is not in the same church with us, so I left my church and go to a Catholic church then. But the sisters in, the, in my previous church, they accused me of leaving God because they, they think I'm not going to a uh, right way. And I was really hurt again because uh, I feel very guilty when I seek God, no matter going to church or studying Bible. And uh, one day uh, I broke with my boyfriend because I don't have a really good relationship with God, so I don't have good relationship with people as well. And one day I walk uh, along the streets with my friend and uh, our Christian in my uh, recent church uh, she approached me and distributingly led to me uh, trying to share gospel but I just t told her I am Christian but I didn't have a church uh, it's so troublesome to tell her what happened mm -hmm. in my life just but my friend uh, who walked along with me she's not a Christian she encouraged me to go to that church and she said maybe this God's will and he bring you to this church. So I called the minister in the church and I, after that I know the previous church I went, they, um, they thought you have to baptize so as to become a Christian. But the truth is when you have faith, you receive Christ by faith, you can become a Christian. Not until then I, I know. And it takes me so long to believe that faith is that important than the baptism. Yeah. So this is my, this is my story. Yeah. Now, the, the church, right at the very beginning, you, you told in the church and they, they said um, about you couldn't go out with a Catholic and you couldn't go out with other, even other churches as yeah. well, other Christian groups, because they believed that unless you belonged to their church and were baptized in their church, you couldn't be saved. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, that must have been hard for you when you came to to see yeah. that that wasn't right. Yeah, 
it, it was so difficult, you know, I uh, go to a new church and I see baptism. Uh, brothers and sisters have their baptism in water. Yeah. And the church, previous church told me you have to, all your parts have to be put into the water, water so yeah. as to be saved. So I was very worried about my brother and sisters if they have one finger out of the water, then they will be saved. <laughs> I was very worried. Yeah. But yeah, it takes me so long to believe faith is that important. Yeah. Now I'm going to say something about that in a moment, Candice, but can you just tell us, um, uh, you said you're here on an exchange program. How, how did you end up in Dundee? What did you how, 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 Why did you come to Dundee? Why? Just, yeah. Uh, because I want to explore the world that God creates because I live all my life in Hong Kong and I didn't visit European countries before and explore the culture. Yeah, so I really want to open my eyes and see God's creation here. And also I like to see God's movement, Christian movements in university and in churches all over the world. So that's why I come here. Well, let me say this to you. You are very, very welcome. We think it's a privilege to have you here. We're, we pray that God would bless you while you're here. And thank you even just for sharing that and just for being so willing to do that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now, I have a lot of admiration for Candice because to stand up and speak in a language that's not your own about a subject that is... Uh, quite as difficult as that, but what Candice said is, is, is hugely important, that there are lots of religions, including Christian churches, who say the way you get right with God is to do A, B, C, or D. And I know the church that she initially went to, and they believe. Um, I remember meeting some of them once, and they said, well, David, you teach the Bible, but you're not a Christian because you haven't uh, been baptized in our church, in our way, and uh, that's not the gospel, and that's not what justification is. So, we're, we're going to see, can we go on to uh, what justification is? Um, a man called Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic monk who was training to be a priest, and he struggled with this whole idea of justification. He actually literally beat himself up over this whole question of justification. And his whole life was transformed when he came to understand that the just shall live by faith and what justification was. And he then went on to say, and I think this is correct, that our understanding of justification is the mark or the pillar of a falling or standing church. Now, when we say justification, what does it mean? It's very straightforward at one level. It's a word from the law courts. It's a word that you will, you were, in biblical times and also in our own time, you would almost certainly hear only in uh, a law court. And it's a word in which it means that we are um, pronounced right. Um, God pronounces us righteous and looks upon us as if we had not sinned. We were trying to think of examples of why you would need to be justified in our, in our small group. And one example could be if uh, any of the children arrived home late from school and their mom said, why are you late? And uh, I was catching my donut as it rolled down the hill was one answer. That's not a good justification. That's someone thinking a lot about the donuts. Um, but a little old lady fell 
and I was helping her up and phoned the ambulance and basically was a superhero, that's a justification. In other words, that explains an act that you did that appeared to be wrong, it actually turns out to be right. Now here, of course, is an enormous problem for us because how can we be justified before God? There may be things that appear to be wrong and turn out to be right, but there are many things we know in our lives that are wrong, and how can we make excuses to God? We can't. So, uh, lots of us look for reasons to justify ourselves. I do love, I love the Proclaimers song, Sunshine on Leith. I think it's beyond bizarre that it's adopted by Hibernian Football Club as their anthem, but uh, I I love that. um, Why am I worth my room on this earth? I heard it being sung at Hamden once by 50,000 people. I just thought, you know, all these Neds and football people, sorry, um, I was going to say hooligans, but um, all singing, why am I worth my, ru- my room on this earth? And thinking, yeah, well, I think about what you're, th- you're singing, guys. Why are you worth your room on this earth? What's the point of, of us being here? And in fact, many of us spend our lives trying to justify our own existence. And there are many, many ways that we can justify. We, we, we live for our families. We live um, for fame. We live for our, just for ourselves. Maybe a whole lot of different reasons. Trying to justify our existence. And that does happen through religion as well. So we're going to look at what justification is in a biblical sense and why it's such a wonderful and such an important thing. Why and where? That should be the one that's up there. Well, it, we, in the question and answer we're given, and if you've got Romans 5, let's stay at Romans 5 because virtually all of Romans is about justification. So um, you'll see back in chapter 4 in the NIV, the headline, or the heading of that chapter is Abraham justified by faith. Well, the whole of Romans is about justification, and, and it wouldn't do you any harm to go home or during the week to read through Romans if you want to understand this. Justification is an act of God's free grace. Now, let me just back this off a little bit and say, justification is when God says to us, you are righteous. He's not condemning us. We, we are not being judged. We are not being sent to hell. It's God saying, you are righteous. In fact, the most incredible thing in the Bible is how it's described is that God looks upon us as He looks upon His own Son, Jesus Christ. Why does He do that? Now, this is, this is key to understanding this. He doesn't do it because there is anything in us that makes us lovely to Him or lovable to Him. God doesn't justify us because we are worthy, but because He justifies us, He makes us worthy. God doesn't justify us because we are worthy, but by justifying us, He makes us worthy. So, justification Self-justification is a contradiction in terms. You can never justify yourself. The, the way that most people understand religion and life is this. They say, yeah, sure, I do some bad things in life. And on the one hand, here are the bad things I do. So on the other hand, here are the good things I'm going to do. And eventually, the good things I do will overweigh the bad things that I do. So I will be seen as, as good or righteous. And, and most people operate their lives on that basis. I I doubt there's a single person here who'll say, I never do anything wrong. But there isn't a natural person in the world who will say, I do things 
that are so wrong that they can never, ever be put right. I can never put them right. Most people think, I can put it right. I can fix it. We can't. The only person who justifies is God. And uh, that's the, the second point there. It's the triune God. Romans 7 and verse 33, for example, if, you've, if you just look over the page. Uh, sorry, that's not, it shouldn't be Romans 7 and verse 33. There. 8.33, beg your pardon. Yeah. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It's God who justifies. Acts 13, verse 39, speaking of Jesus, by Him all that believe are justified. And 1 Corinthians 16, 11, but you are justified by the Spirit of God. Our justification is so difficult and so important and so momentous that it takes the triune God to justify us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the why of justification is just simply not because of us, but because of God. The where, if you like, it's the same thing. Where, where are we justified? We are justified through God's free grace. Let's go on to the next one, please, Stephen. What? What happens at justification? Two things. One, God pardons all our sins. Now, we back off that a little bit because some people think, well, of course God will pardon our sins because that, that is what God does. God is obliged to forgive everybody. No, He is not. In fact, it's almost the opposite of that. It is the opposite of that. God is not obliged to forgive anybody, and God is actually obliged by His very nature to judge sins that are against Him and that are against His creation and that destroy and everything. God is a just judge, and He, and he has to do that. He can't just say, oh, I'll forgive you. It would be a horrendous world we lived in if God didn't care about justice and if there was no justice. So, for those of you who have the temptation to think, well, of course God will forgive. No, He won't. It takes a momentous thing for God to forgive. How can God forgive and be just? How can He justify us and be just? Well, we'll see how that is in the moment, but let me just say what the what is right now. The what is this, that if you are justified, every single sin that you have committed in the past, that you are committing now, and that you will commit in the future, is forgiven. It's all forgiven. And here's how hard this one is. I was asked this this week. Are you saying, David, that if Adolf Hitler on his deathbed repented and believed and trusted in Jesus Christ, he would be forgiven for every sin that he did? The answer to that is yes, if he did. Now, we, as far as we know, in fact, we know he didn't. He committed suicide believing that he was going to peace, believing that he was right in what he did. He didn't seek any. That's really hard for some people to take. But I tell you what, it's just as hard for many people to take is they believe within themselves. Sometimes there are people like this who believe within themselves that they could never, ever be forgiven. They carry a burden of guilt all their days and they carry it into their grave and they never believe they could be forgiven. And here is something that says God forgives. God can forgive. He pardons when we're justified. God pardons all our sins. And the second part there is he accepts us as righteous, which is slightly different. For, forgiving all our sins is, it's gone. All your sin is gone. 
Accepting us as righteous, there's two words, two kind of images that are used in the Bible. One is, he puts on a robe of righteousness, and the other is, he gives us a crown of righteousness. So what's happening here, the the biblical imagery is, God forgiving our sins is God taking our filthy rags, ripping them off, throwing them away, but are we standing there naked? No, he clothes us in his righteousness. That's what justification is. Justification is not just uh, us having an excuse for things that we have done. It's being forgiven for all the bad things that we have done or ever could do, and it's being given all the right things that Jesus Christ did do. Okay, let's go to the next one. The how. Okay, here's… It's a word I love, and I can't think of any other way to put it. Imputation, imputing the righteousness of Christ to us. Now, what does, how does God justify us? He imputes the righteousness of Christ to us. There's the question, how can a holy and righteous God just ignore our sin and forgive us? The answer is He doesn't. A holy and righteous God cannot ignore our sin and cannot just forgive us. He doesn't do that. What happens is that Christ is punished in our place. That's the whole teaching, the whole doctrine. We're, we're, we're looking at all the different theological doctrines and how this ties in, and there's a, a teaching that we'll come back to and look at in more detail, which is a teaching that's called substitutionary atonement. And what that just simply means is that Christ comes as a substitute in our place, and Christ suffers hell in our place. Now, He's able to do that. He's able to suffer an eternity of hell because He is the eternal Son of God, but He suffers our hell for us, and that's what the cross is all about. God doesn't just ignore our sin and forgive us. When Christ is on the cross, it is not the nails that hold Christ there. It is the sin that we have committed. There's an old song, He paid a debt He did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sin away. If you are not a Christian, if your friends are not Christians, if your family are not Christians, it is not that there is this tiny little debt here that can be wiped out by a few kind acts and giving, you know, 50p to Oxfam and going to church and reading the Bible and being baptized and all the other things. It's that there is a mountain of debt which you cannot pay and which no one else could pay for you and yet which Christ paid by His death on the cross. And that's why Jeremiah 23, 6, put that up there. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord our righteousness. So, basically, you have a choice, and every single person here makes this choice. Your choice is to stand before God and say, Lord, I haven't done too bad, and here I am with my righteousness, and, you know, accept me because of that. And it won't happen because your righteousness is like filthy rags, because your your righteousness is pathetic compared with the standard that God requires, and because your righteousness is only fuel for hell. It's just, it's not. It, it, It doesn't save you. It can't. Or you can stand before God, and you take, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Lord, our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it's because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Now, 
in a way, it's not that complicated. It's actually quite simple. We talked this morning when we, we were going through Mark's gospel in the morning, and we, uh, we didn't go to Mark this morning, but we were in Psalm 27, and um, we looked at Psalm 27, and one of the first parts of that psalm, just let me just repeat this little bit, is about confidence. What is our confidence? And we, we looked at how different people have confidence for, for different things. We talk about someone being a very confident person, someone um, being actually quite self-confident, and it's not a particularly pleasant thing. But the confidence of the Christian, as we saw this morning, is not in our goodness, it's not in our abilities, it's not in our connections, it's not in what we do. Our confidence is just very simply in who Jesus is and what Christ has done. And that's actually really hard to grasp because most of us, we're brought up in a culture and we're brought up as human beings who who are almost innately geared towards justifying ourselves. What have you got to say in defense of yourself? And and we're we're very defensive people at times in that. We perhaps don't go around singing, why am I worth my room on this earth? But we do think, why? If you think about it during a day, How many things do you do which you are really seeking to justify yourself? But here's this wonderful, wonderful thing that that that's all pointless because we can receive from Jesus Christ the very righteousness that He Himself has. So we are justified when we receive the righteousness of Christ. Okay, let's go on to the next one. When? When is very straightforward. It's when we have faith. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's go back to that. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith grasps hold of Christ, and faith lets go of ourselves. In, in faith, um, there's, a, there's two things that have to happen in terms of faith to really have faith in Jesus. And I want to use... Um, I'm going to go back to the Arbroath Cliffs. If you've not been to the Arbroath Cliffs, go there. Don't do this. Uh, There are always people doing this. There are always people climbing down the Arbroath Cliffs and not realizing that there's a tide and finding it difficult getting back up. But myself and Emma Jane, we went to the Arbroath Cliffs uh, yesterday, and um, there's a particular part that you climb down. Now, what if we got into a situation where, well, I'll pick on you, Perema Jane, but just, she's hanging off the edge of the cliff. You know, she slips and she's hanging off the edge of the cliff. And uh, we were talking about this yesterday, and I said, sweetheart, that's a bit steep. Um, I don't think I'm going to jump in there if, if, if you fall in and drown, so stay away from the edge, please. Um, you know, and there were various merits about, you know, your mother will kill me if I let you drown, so I probably would have to jump in and, and drown anyway. But we talked about all these different kinds of things and hanging off the edge of the cliff. And if you imagine this scenario, forget Emma Jane, but just a small child hanging off the edge of the cliff. And that child is going to drop. And you want to rescue the child. And you're reaching down your hand to that child. And you say to the child, reach out and grab for my hand. In order to reach out and grab for your hand, they have to let go of what they're holding. They don't have three hands. They have to let go. 
in order to reach out and hold on to your hand. If they are not prepared to let go, they are not going to reach out and hold on to your hand. And real justifying faith is a faith which, first of all, says, I am going to stop trusting in myself. I am going to stop trying to justify myself. Um, It doesn't matter how many bits of the Bible I read or how many churches I go to or how many times I've been baptized or how much money I give to the poor or, or how I do all these different things. It doesn't matter. I'm going to have to stop trusting in myself and I'm going to lay hold of or to grasp hold of Jesus Christ. If you go back to Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. You see, there are churches, and Luther discovered this, and it happens in the Christian church too. And it doesn't just happen in the Catholic church, it happens in Protestant churches as well. That if you, um, was it last week or two weeks ago, there was a program on the television called Natural Born Sinners, and it was all about how the Scots are to blame for being dured and miserable, were to blame for Gordon Brown and Alex Ferguson and Annie Lennox and so on, because we're deeply ingrained in Calvinism. And what is Calvinism? According to all the reporters on that program, Calvinism is when you go into the church and the person makes you feel bad and tells you to go out and be good. Now, one, that's not Calvinism. And if it was Calvinism, it would be, for me, from the pit of hell anyway. But it's not Calvinism. It's not biblical Christianity. Because biblical Christianity is not. Now, you go and you do the very best that you can do. That was Luther's problem. He, he wanted to scourge the sin out of his own body. He whipped himself. He wanted to prove how dedicated he was. He prayed day and night. He read the Bible nonstop. He tried and tried and tried and tried to make himself right before God. And the more he tried, it was like drinking salt water. The worse it became, the worse the thirst came. Real justification is when you let go of yourself and you hold on to Christ. Now, what Candy said is, I think, is wonderful. Because... Uh, in one sense, she was talking about how she heard about Jesus in this church, and then the church added something to Jesus. church said, you've got to be baptized in our church. You've got to be this way. You can't go out with this person. The church has no right to do that. And it was adding some works. If you want to be a real Christian, if you want to be a proper Christian, then they add these works onto it. And I think the, the same thing has occurred in the second church. She was at, and then in the third church, to be told it was just about Jesus and it was about trusting in Jesus, and of course the works are there because the works follow, but the works never, ever make you right with God. And again, I want to encourage just every single one of us here. I know that there are some people who are Christians here and struggle with this because you like the Galatians. You keep one, having begun by faith, you go back by, to works. And I know that there are some here who, um, who think you're Christians, you have, and you are Christian in the way that you think, because it's, it's, but it's not a, a biblical way of thinking what a Christian is. And you really need to grasp that you can never be religious enough to get into heaven. 
You can never be good enough. You can never be pure enough. You can never be spiritual enough. You need someone to take you there, and that person has to be Jesus Christ. And I know also that there are those of us who think, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. I just need to prepare. There's a sin, uh, a heresy called preparationism, which basically says, I have to be prepared, to be prepared, to be prepared, to be prepared. Then I can become a Christian. No, you become a Christian when you give up on yourself and when you accept what Jesus has done. And right now, anyone could do that. That's your choice. You, you decide. That's what you decide when you're, you're, you're hearing this. Let's just go on to a couple other things I want to mention. One, um, these three here. Justification is complete. There's no such thing as partial justification. You don't sort of become half a Christian. It's complete. It's absolute. Justification is forever. You don't lose it. You don't become a Christian, then become a non-Christian, then become a Christian, and so on. There is a, a teaching that goes like that, uh, and the answer to that is you do not uh, once you're born, you're born. You cannot say, uh, excuse me, bad mistake, put me back in the womb, let's start all over again. That just doesn't work. That's not how life is. You're born. And you can regret the day that you were born, and you can say this life is miserable, but there's no going back on the fact that you were born. Once you're born again, you are born again. That's it. It's something that lasts. It's so radical. It is a new birth. Justification is also for holiness. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that list, by the way, is not complete. Just a list that Paul was dealing with in Corinth. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Justification is for holiness. It's not, this is not teaching, well, if you're justified, you can then, that's fine, you can um, go out and commit murder. The, the famous book, those of you who are studying Scottish literature, James Hogg's Confessions of a Justified Sinner where he has this idea that he's arguing with the devil and um, because he's justified, he can go out and do whatever he wants. No, if you're justified, you're brought into a right relationship. Again, Candice's uh, talk about becoming a Christian is all tied in with relationships, and that's true. It's about relationships with other people and relationship with God. And when you are justified, you become a daughter of the King, you become a son of the King, and everything changes. Okay, let me finish just by giving three uh, what we call uses of this. What is the use of, these, <coughs> of this teaching? Uh, and I've got the, <coughs> the Romans 7 1 uh, wrong again. It's not Romans 7, it's Romans 8. Uh, verse. Sorry, beg your pardon. I may have it right after all. Romans 8 verse 1. It should be. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. It's the great use of this teaching is, what, again, what we were looking at this morning, confidence and assurance. Isn't it the most pathetic thing that somebody will starve when there's food all around them? 
food in the midst. They're, they're, they're in the midst of this massive feast, and they're starving. Isn't it pathetic that Christians or religious people or non-Christians are seeking to make ourselves right with God, and we don't get it. It's all there for us. It's all there. What about when you fail? What about when you, you, you fail as a Christian? You know, I keep failing as a Christian, but I love that phrase, His blood avails for me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because we have been set free from that condemnation because we have been justified. Romans 5 verse 1, we read it already, there's peace. Because we are justified through faith, we, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we, we sing, I am, I am accepted, um, and we sing it in a sort of kind of very joyful, jaunty way. Well, uh, maybe next time you could do it in a kind of slow, contemplative, you know, Gregorian chant type style. I don't know. You could, you could try that. Because it would, be the, it, would, it would fit the mood as well. Of course it's joyful, and of course it's wonderful that we've been accepted. But we're at peace because we've been accepted. You don't have to go home and try to work out how to be accepted by God. You don't have to say, well, okay, I've got to say X number of prayers, or I've got to do this, or I forgot to do that, or I haven't done this. And never. You just never, ever will get there. But you can go home at peace with God because you are justified. And that's what the freedom is. Romans chapter 8 um, and let's, let's finish just with this. Romans eight twenty eight. just from there on, sums it up. As I said, the whole of Romans is about this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, what did He do? He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. And Paul, in a sense, there's a line drawn there, and he then says, what? What can we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God did all these things, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In other words, Jesus is saying to God about His own people, they're mine, they belong to me, they're saved, they're justified, they're forgiven. When the devil comes with, uh, uh, as the accuser of God's people, it's nothing because Christ is interceding for us and has paid for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You see, a, um, a self-righteous person, a self-justifying person will go, I'm a conqueror, I'm a victor, I'm a wonderful person, I'm marching in victory. But someone who understands the biblical teaching of justification will say, Christ is the conqueror. Christ has won the victory. Who can separate me? What, what can possibly separate me from Christ? 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would anyone choose a religion in which people have to buy their own stairway to heaven, have to make their own stairway to heaven? Why would you do that when you are just given this wonderful, wonderful free gift of God's grace? The love of Christ is astonishing and overwhelming and overpowering. And I encourage those of you who are Christians to lay hold of that and to grasp hold of it and never ever to to let this teaching go. You're justified by Jesus, not by anything or anyone else. And I want to encourage any of you who are not yet Christians. It is, if you think about it, it is too wonderful to be true. Why would God do this? Why would God give you this? Surely you must be wanting something. Surely you have to earn it in some way. All your life you've been brought up on, on you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this in order so that you can get this, this, and this, and there's an element of truth in that. So why would God be any different? Because God's standards are just so far higher than any of ours that He knows we could never, ever even remotely get near the standard that He requires. And He could have let us all go, but He didn't. He sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might be justified please don't walk away and refuse that free gift of God's grace. Let's pray. Bless your word to us, O Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, We thank you for our sister Candice and for uh, others who are here who are visiting with us. And we pray, O Lord, that each of us would know your presence and your guidance and your blessing. We ask that... uh, If anyone here doesn't know you, that you would draw them to yourself, that they would stop seeking to justify themselves, to to themselves or to others or to you, and that instead we would accept the free gift of righteousness that is given to us through Jesus Christ, for we ask it in your name.